feedback is not a one-time big event that you have to have an hour to discuss. Feedback is a 20 seconds at a time ongoing maintenance activity. And yet we don't typically practice it like that. You pat people on the back and tell them their mistakes, but is that feedback effective? Welcome to a brand new episode of the Veterinary Business Success Show, a part of the VetX Leaders Community Online. In each episode, we explore ideas and subjects you can use to manage your veterinary practice better and be a better leader. I'm your resident asker of questions, Brendan Howard, and today my now three-time guest is former DVM360 head of content and now executive coach Marnette Fallon with Sun Road Coaching and Consulting. Today we're talking about feedback. Everybody's been yelled at, everyone's got a compliment, they're both effective in their own way, but are there core parts of constructive feedback that could transform the way you and your team talk to each other? I start, cruelly, by creating a horror show of a practice with many problems and ask Marnette, okay, where do we even start with these people? Okay, so I think you are now the most returned guest to Veterinary Business Success Show. This will be your third time. And every time it's about something completely different, which I love. (laughs) Well, I am honored to be back. You told me you'd been doing some research and thinking from looking at other people's talk about feedback and thinking also about the times you've used feedback and the times it's worked and didn't work, but you've been thinking about feedback And so I thought maybe we could kick off. I would just throw you this horrendous negative situation. And then if you were presented with this in a room with someone who was frazzled and the end of their nerves, like, okay, well, how would we unpack this and untie this bad situation? Okay. Yucky horror. Here we go. (laughs) Yes. Okay. So the negative situation, let's say it could be any veterinary hospital. But what has happened over time, whether people feel like they can blame it on one person or whether it's the way it's always been, or whether there's a new person who's not doing feedback right or not taking feedback right. But everyone has now got their nose out of joint about either taking constructive feedback or being told they're doing something wrong. And probably there's not enough positive feedback. So once people get mad and upset and resentful, now you have a workplace where they would like to fix things. And when the things can't get fixed, now people blow up instead of providing negative feedback in a constructive way. The people don't want to be blown up at. Everybody closes down on negative feedback. And because everybody's in a bad mood, nobody's giving positive feedback either. So now there's a situation. There's either really horrendous lashing out or there's no feedback anymore because everyone's walking on eggshells. So this is I will present this to you as I've walked in the room with you. (laughs) How do we unpack that in kind of comparing that to what would be best practices? Okay. Well, that's a mess. So thank you. (laughs) The horror scenario. So, so many things that I'd like to have be different there, right? One of the things that you're pointing to is that if we don't give feedback all the time, then we're out of practice giving and receiving feedback. And so we're probably not doing that great a job. And people are very uncomfortable giving feedback. And then some people are uncomfortable getting negative feedback too. Although the research shows that most people, there was a study that said 72% of employees agreed that their performance would improve if their managers provided effective, constructive feedback. So that's from an article that was titled, your employees want the negative feedback you hate to give. (laughs) So bosses are not giving feedback because probably they've had bad 
outcomes. So they feel uncomfortable and then they have bad outcomes. I mean, part of the question I think in your horror scenario is how are we going to start to give more feedback more regularly? You threw a thing in there, which I liked, which I sort of mentioned, which you said, you know, people aren't giving positive feedback either. So I would love also to dig in at some point between the difference between positive feedback and a compliment. I like something. So I just say I like something as opposed to what I think is more deliberate. Maybe it doesn't have to be positive feedback. Does positive feedback have to be more deliberate and intentional? But hopefully we can cover that. Also, back to the caveat of the data you talked about, they said to make the workplace better, to make the work better, they want feedback and effective feedback. So they're clearly putting a thing in there about they just don't want feedback. You can tell me things about the world that you regard as feedback, but it may not be effective feedback. Right. So I think almost everybody has probably been in a situation where they got constructive feedback that was not effective. So somebody said, you should blah, blah, blah differently. And we're all like, take a hike, Jack. So there's a lot of things that you need to do if you want feedback like that to land, right? If you, you have to say it in a way that somebody can hear you, And there are a lot of things you have to do in order to make that happen. You have to have somebody feel like that you're on their side, that you care about them, that you like them despite the wishing their behavior were slightly different, that it matters to do the behavior differently. I mean, there's a lot of art to giving really effective feedback. And people feel anxious about it. So one of the things that I generally recommend is that if you're not giving very much feedback, as in not giving feedback every single day, which is what I think we should all be trying for, you should start by giving positive feedback because typically people feel less anxiety about that. Although I have to admit that when I started really practicing that, I was also anxious about positive feedback. Like, does this just sound dumb? Is this condescending? This person knows, I think. I mean, so I even think positive feedback can have its barriers. When you provide to give the positive feedback, do you have any idea what was motivating your discomfort? Not just, okay, I don't do it a lot. It's weird. Did you feel manipulative or you worried that you'd be perceived as insincere? Or I think so. I mean, it's been a long time now for me, but I think, yeah, I worried that it wouldn't come off as genuine or that people would feel that I was, I mean, maybe it is, maybe I worried that it would feel manipulative. The truth is that if you deliver meaningful positive feedback, everyone is mostly real happy. (laughs) (laughs) And the more comfortable you get with both of these things, the better it is, right? So in any conversation, we're feeling so much more of how the other person is feeling than I think we maybe realize at the time. And so if I am comfortable delivering the feedback, if I really do feel comfortable, if I really do have that person's best interest at heart, I can say almost anything positive or negative, and it will land in the way I intend it. If I'm really in the right place myself, I really think you could say almost anything. Okay, then if one of the first steps this place could start with, if all the feedback is bad right now, and you're not doing any of it well, and you're not doing enough of it, start with the positive. But then if this is where we're starting, where I am uncomfortable and not used to doing this, my next question is, should you be vulnerable and express to the person you're giving feedback that this is weird for me, or I know I don't do this a lot. So before you feel the thing internally, if you're not feeling that comfort, mm-hmm. how do you manage that? You just stuff it down. You just rev yourself up with mantras in front of the mirror before you do it. Or do you tell the person in that conversation, I know I haven't been so good about this, or I'm a kind of uncomfortable. It feels weird doing this because I don't, what's your vulnerability? I do it all the time. Yeah. yeah, that's interesting. And I don't know that I have the immediate answer for that. 
So I like all of your ideas. <laughs> they might work. Any one of those might work. Give myself a right. pep talk. Say up front that this isn't something I always do. Acknowledge I'm trying to get better. I mean, I like all of those things. The formula that I use for feedback, I think, is equally effective for positive feedback and for negative feedback. To your point about this isn't just a compliment. Yeah. The feedback has to be specific. So I would start with what behavior did I notice? I noticed that you blah, 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 something that's helpful and I appreciate. And then part two is what difference did that make to me or to the team or to the meeting or to the patient or for the pet or whatever? Why is that great? Like, so it made this difference. And then in the case of positive feedback, I appreciate that. And when you say that specific thing, you're telling people basically how to succeed, right? Like another article that I read recently that I love is from Gallup. It's called Give Feedback Like a Coach. Yeah. And they say two things I love in it. So one is it's more effective to tell people how to succeed than how not to fail. And I'm like, well, yeah, let's tell people how to succeed. And then the second thing that they say that I loved is positive feedback is like espresso, uplifting and invigorating. <laughs> I'm like, well, let's start there, right? Like, let's go tell people how to win. I'm fascinated by that fact that they, how to succeed and not how to fail. I feel like a lot of times, and this is understandable, I feel like all these behaviors at work, at least I felt this sometimes, there's a spectrum. So this is the super success on one end, and this is the abject failure on the other. And what you're told, all these processes that get set up, all the checklists that get set up, all the basic algorithms that tell you if A happens, you must do B. That is the backstop on you will ruin this if you do not follow these steps. You must follow these steps. This is the bare minimum. That is what we focus on because we don't want people. We want people to know where the backstop is. And then success is like success is infinite. You could infinitely succeed. So I don't know how success looks. It could look like there's a million different ways success could look. And it's different for everybody. But the backstop, the scary backstop at the back where you will screw this up. We all know where that is. It's easy to write on a piece of paper. It's easy to tell people, do this, don't do that. But yeah, it's a little, It's not, I think it could be a little harder to tell people, here's how you succeed. I wonder if we could, there may not be one in mind. Is there an example of like where telling somebody how they can't fail and telling somebody how not to fail and telling somebody how they succeed? It could be something generic. It doesn't have to be. Let me see if I can. Yeah, let me see if I can do it. So let's say that you're having a team meeting okay. and Mary is in the team meeting and you have been frustrated in the past that Mary has good observations, but doesn't offer solutions, just kind of gripes. Mary's a gripey guest in the meeting. And so in this meeting, Mary comes to the meeting and I'm going to go with the bad example first. Okay. And at the end of the meeting, you say to Mary, you just, I mean, hopefully on the side, hopefully better than this. But anyway, you say to Mary, I just don't appreciate it when you bring a problem and no solution. Don't raise the problem unless you have a solution. Okay. And you're saying to Mary, I don't appreciate this. Then I'm going to use negative. I'm going to give negative feedback, but using the model, right? So what did I notice? Mary, I noticed that you raised a problem and didn't raise the solution. How does that affect the team? It's kind of a downer, like it brings everyone else down. It doesn't set an example that you need to bring solutions. It doesn't move us in a forward. It doesn't get us moving, right? That's how it affects the team. 
We don't go to something that's better. We just sort of slog around and what's not going well. And then the end of the formula would be, what behavior would I appreciate in the future? In the future, I would appreciate it if you didn't raise a problem unless you have an idea about how we might do it better. I mean, I did use the formula, but it's not perfect feedback. What I wish is that Mary came to the meeting and did a little better. So I'm going to do that example because that was the easiest for <laughs> okay, me. Perfect. So Mary, I noticed today that when you said, we're really making people wait too long when they come in for appointments, you offered a solution. Even though it wasn't a solution that we could apply immediately, I see you really reaching for how we could do it better. And that's exciting for me because it gives everybody the example that we might be able to do it better. And I want to always be thinking about what to do better. Please keep bringing that to the meeting, even though this time it didn't work. So that's a please succeed. Yeah. And I love that example, too, because it also I mean, if part of your culture is permission to fail, where then we need to be able to throw ideas out. And even if it's not a good idea, you should be rewarded by the energy or someone should tell you, thank you for bringing up ideas. Even if it's too costly, we can't do that or it's not going to work or we all decided we didn't want to do it. I still love that you tried to come up with ideas. Yeah. So I'm happy with that example I brought for that reason. Like we want to reward the effort, not the only when you cross the finish line and win the trophy, right? Like right. you're moving in the right direction. I appreciate it. This is how to succeed here, right? So I gave positive feedback for effort and not just an all out win. It's interesting that I hadn't thought about this before you just mentioned that all out win, but I have always felt feedback about all out wins was in previous workplaces, sometimes I would work with people and I was one of those people too who struggles with recognizing when we've done something great. We've already just moved on. When you give feedback, positive feedback about the something we all acknowledge was already amazing, it's a bit like telling me it's my birthday. I already know it's my birthday. The gifts are already here. The cake's here. We've already moved on. I mean, it's it over. was a great party, yeah. <laughs> but we already won. So what's the point of, it's fun to celebrate wins, but what you're talking about, about highlighting those steps that get you to the win, that feels really good because then, in the, at least in my case, I feel very vulnerable or scared during the steps before the win. The win is like, I'm confident. We won. Boom. So I like mm -hmm. the idea of highlighting the steps to the win. Yeah. I mean, even outside of the veterinary market, I often use like potty training a dog as an example of how you want to, you want to reward behavior in the right direction, right? You don't not give a treat until the dog does it perfectly every single day, all the time. You're like, yeah, you're on the right path. Yeah. Good job. Yeah. I got to the door. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like every step in the right direction. And yet we only reward people when they perform the miracle and it's over. I mean, again, that's not frequent enough. That's not the right time. I agree with you. Everything you said about that. The party is basically over by the time we got to that. <laughs> In offering this positive feedback, are there examples? So you, you talked about yourself. Are there any other examples about people? Do people ever explicitly come to you? And if you tell them something about this where they're struggling with feedback and you say, well, okay, everybody's fighting with criticism there. Let's start with the positive feedback and let's make sure you're giving positive feedback, right? Do you ever get pushback at the very beginning from people where they make it explicit? Or do people say, I'm going to go try this, if you've talked to people about this? I get pushback. So I have people say, well, that person is my peer or my senior. This is a place where I often get it. Okay. Uh, they don't need me to tell them they're doing a good job. That's It's not my job to tell somebody who's not reporting to me that they do a good job. And 
I fundamentally disagree with that, right? Like, so you work with people all the time that are in your network to the side and even above. And those people are human beings too. And you wish you could influence their behavior sometimes <laughs> and it can help to give positive feedback. So, I mean, let's just use, we're going to go a little bit meta and use feedback as an example. If you have a boss who very infrequently gives feedback and they give you some feedback, I would give them some feedback back that says, hey, I appreciate that you took the time to say that to me because you want them to do that again, right? right. Or if they manage to find a way to give you some more specific feedback, say, I mean, what was effective about the feedback? Let's give them some feedback about it, right? So it was really helpful that you told me more specifically what was helpful about that because now I can go do that again. And like, let's all go train our bosses, people. Some bosses more trainable than others, but shoot, let's give it a shot, right? I do like that. I do wonder, in some cases, it might be fear of a boss or a peer. So I don't have a great relationship with that peer. So even if that peer does something or that boss does something, I know the boss is a yeller. So the boss didn't yell today. I'm not feeling particularly positive about going and telling him, I really appreciate you gave feedback in this way. And you didn't yell at us today. I'm just sort of mad at you. Do they ever just assume... Does Do you think assumptions play into it where you think this other peer, everyone outside of you has everything going on correctly, and you're the imposter with imposter syndrome. They all understand what they're doing is good, and they all understand what they're doing is bad, and they don't need to hear it from me. Do you ever get that where people are like, they don't need that feedback from me? Yeah, I get that all the time. They don't need that feedback from me. And and again, kind of, it's not my job to give people who don't report to me feedback. I think it's our job to give feedback to all the people around us every day. That's where when I, I mean, one of the pieces of advice I give is go practice giving positive feedback literally every day. And it's far easier if you accept that you can give feedback to literally anyone <laughs> and that that could be helpful, right? And let's go practice in the places that are less stressful and less challenging and like even with someone who's like I'm in a, a good friend or a child, right? Those are places where you can go give positive feedback and you can do it better than you've done it before in practice, right? So it's easy to go to your, I'm going to use my daughter because I, this is my easy place, right? She's yeah. the easiest in the world because I think she's fantastic. But when I want to go and give positive feedback, it's easy to just say, hey, I love you, sweetie, right? And that's really not positive feedback. But could I give her some positive feedback in this day? hey, I really appreciate what a good listener you are in the conversations we have. You really make me feel like you heard me. And that's a strength that I think that you take to all of your relationships. It's exciting to see that happen. All right. Well, that's meaningful, right? And gives her encouragement to go practice that behavior, which I appreciate out in the world in a way that could help her in lots of other ways. Or a good friend is the same thing, right? Like, I have all the backstory, so I know that they're afraid to speak up in the meeting and they spoke up in the meeting. This is Mary's friend now. Mary spoke yes. up in the meeting and she brought something that was a solution that she was afraid to say out loud and it didn't play out 100% the way she wanted. And yet she did the brave thing, right? Well, knowing that, which the boss may not know any of the things I know, I could go support Mary and say, hey, Mary, I know you were stressed out about bringing that up. You did that in a very diplomatic way. And even though they didn't take your solution, you took a step there the next time you might have a better solution and you stretched that courageous muscle and you didn't die. None of us died. It went great. Right. 
positive feedback. I can literally feel the difference. Again, it's like this spectrum where first there's just a compliment or an assertion that I care. I care about you. I love you. And that's, it feels good. That's like a little back pat. But I can feel as you gave more, as your effective feedback for your daughter, who's already doing something you loved and she already does this, but you want her to know this is a great thing and what's so great about it. I could feel the spectrum going from like sort of instant, like it's like a little piece of candy. The other thing, when you gave that example of here's the behavior and here's why it's great, I could literally feel my brain learning. So I could feel the difference Mm -hmm. between I love you. I'm not learning anything unless I don't, you might be really looking me right in the eye and holding my hands and trying to tell me you love me. Then it would probably sink in. But otherwise it's like a toss off thing. Whereas with your longer, let me explain the logic. So the brain grabs onto it. Like, Ooh, there's an argument being made here. They're telling me something I should learn from this. I can feel how feedback versus compliment. It can be improve learning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, way too many businesses in the world, I think, sort of see feedback as something that you do once a year at an annual review. Yeah. And I just can't be mad enough about that, right? Like, so I just gave an example of feedback. I delivered feedback, right? And it probably took me 20 seconds. So it doesn't have to take an hour to deliver some feedback. You can do it right there in the moment and it doesn't take very long. And if you save up the feedback and deliver it at the annual review, then that poor person doesn't know what they've been doing well or doesn't know what they've been doing badly for a whole year. So then you deliver it and it's just shocking and it's horrifying. And I could have fixed that if you'd only told me. And this is part of what I think we get so wrong about feedback. Feedback is not a one-time big event that you have to have an hour to discuss. Feedback is a 20 seconds at a time ongoing maintenance activity. And yet we don't typically practice it like that. Um, we are all practice. Well, some people are, are not by nature, but I think most of us are all practice at complaining as a regular maintenance thing. Someone doesn't <laughs> put the, they don't put the surgical instruments the way you want them. And you just mention every time you're like, you know, John, I told you to put this on the right of the tray, not the left. And then a couple of days later, remember we talked about this before? I told you to put it on the right, not the left. So that corrective feedback Where you're just like, here's the, again, it's the backstop. Here's the checklist. I told you this has to be checked. If you don't check this, and then I think there's a deeper problem. If the person is not doing it ever, I think if you're going to give feedback or you're mad about something that's happening in your environment, I think managers, leaders, and everyone has to take a step back and say, why do I need this to happen? Does that person know why it's important? Is it important? I'm obsessed with it. Is it important? How often do you think reflection before giving feedback is important. So yes, 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 all of those things that you said. So before you give feedback, things that I would ask myself. So why is this important? Is one of the questions. Oh, why is it important to me? Why might it be important to the other person? I mean, I really want to be thinking about what does that other person want most? Is there anything about what I wish they would do that is contributing to their goals because that's a place where you can really, (laughs) you can really make some, Hey, there's a lot of difference between saying to somebody, I wish you would do this thing differently because it really is a pain for me when you don't fix this for me. Yep. Which is kind of your example Mm -hmm. and saying to somebody, I know it's really important to you that blah, 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 blah. And I think if you did this thing this way, that would further your goals. And yet that could be the same feedback. 
right? So I'm going to try and take your example about the instruments. surgical instruments in the wrong place. So, yes. So irritating that they're in the wrong place, but perhaps I'm going to make up John, you know, John, maybe what John wants most is the best possible pick care. Or maybe what John wants most is for the team to run smoothly. Or maybe what John wants most is for us to work more efficiently so that John can go home on time. Or it may be what John wants most. And so if you know what John wants most, then could you say to John, hey, John, I know you care deeply about us doing the very best that we can for pets. And although it seems like a silly thing, when I know that that instrument's going to be there when I put my hand out for it, I do a better job. Well, then John might try harder, right? So what do they want most is one of the questions that I would ask before I gave the feedback to see if I could position it in that way. Also thinking about reflection. So reflecting a bit to give the best feedback, have you ever, when you think back on the feedback you've given or had given to you, did there ever seem clear? Did you ever run, ever operate on any rules about now is a time to give positive feedback and now is a time to get negative feedback and now is a time not to give feedback. So this is a zone of, this is not the time of the place. And maybe it's not the time they don't, and <laughs> yeah. they don't need to hear it from me. Like, again, you yeah. gave the example, there's good examples where you can coach your boss and coach your peers. And there's other times you're like, you could also reflect and be like, this is not my place to talk about the fact that this is a yeah. problem. I don't need to give the feedback here. Yeah, like, will this help is one of the questions that I ask. Now, we too often give ourselves that as a pass. Like, yep. it won't help anyway, so I'm not going to do it. So I, ha I hate to say that out <laughs> loud. But there are times when this feedback will not help, right? Or this feedback at this time will not help. Or the person is not at a place right now where the feedback will help. Or I need to think about this differently before I can provide feedback that will help. There's lots of that, yeah. I think. There's some super easy stuff that I do that I didn't always do. Like, wow, it took me this old to figure out that this is a good idea. But choose a time when you can be calm because the goal of a feedback conversation is for you both to remain calm and for you to say it in a way the person can hear it. But if either one of you flips your lid, then the, basically the effectiveness of the feedback conversation is over. And so you might as well make sure that at least you're calm before yeah. you start. And then you need to be managing yourself and managing them to keep them as calm as possible through the whole conversation. And that needs to be at a time and place that you could do that. So you want a quiet and private place, usually to deliver significant constructive feedback so that the person is calm and not on the spot and can hear you. You need a reasonable amount of time. And in our old work, we had an office that had a walking path behind it. Mm -hmm. And outside and moving is one of my favorite places to have feedback conversations because it takes away the like called you to my office feeling like the power <laughs> dynamic is much different <laughs> yeah. and it helps me and the other person to be moving. If we're talking about something that can be challenging, there's something about that that's helpful and being outside is nice and breathing air is good. And like, there's a lot of things about that that make it a much calmer sort of out of the fray kind of conversation. There's no one around, which is great. I had a colleague um, at work who, because of our jobs, so we had systemic 
conflict. Like because we represented different stakeholders in the organization, we were automatically going to kind of be at odds. Okay. So, and a lot of people inside veterinary practice have the same thing. Like, so if you're the customer service representative, you are fundamentally attuned to what the pet owner needs. And if you're the technician um, in charge of back office care, then you're fundamentally attuned to what the pet needs. And so you just automatically have this like tension because you're serving different stakeholders. That's something to be aware of, right? The conflict that you're having is not maybe necessarily about you. So I had a colleague like that and we were just always going to be in conflict because that was the nature of the business. We finally said, we're just never going to ever have a conversation where we deliver feedback to each other on Friday afternoon. (laughs) Because by Friday afternoon, we're shot. Like we can't, this point that I'm making about staying calm and helping the other person, we, we can't, we just don't have it in us anymore. Right. And so think about that for yourself and for the other person, what's going on with them in that day. Maybe this isn't the moment. That's interesting. Cause it reminds me, I think people fall back under duress in there's personality type theory stuff. I'm looking at and some stuff, whether it comes out of an MBTI or Enneagram, whatever it is, we'll often talk about overdeveloped and underdeveloped parts of your personality And how when you're under stress, in one of the models with Myers-Briggs, they talk about when you're under stress, you have these four core parts of you, but some of them are highly underdeveloped. So when you're under stress, your main part, which is so good at what it does at your best moments, it gives up. And she talks about like your psychology trips a switch and says, the big dog is tired, let the puppy go. And so that's the bad part. So on Friday afternoon, all the parts of your personality that are truly evolved and able to think the best, and you're you're good at these, you're the best at these, they're tired and you just start shooting off like stock phrases and, or again, like you just get frustrated. You never care about the clients. You're all about the pet. I'm out here having to explain everything to them or the other people are like, it's all about the pet. These people bring these pets to be cared for. And you're all concerned about massaging this for them out there. We have the important work to do back here. And you'll start throwing out those stock phrases when you're stressed. Yeah, it's just set yourself up for success. And then I just did a whole rant about taking the time and blah, blah, blah. I'm still want to fight all the time for the quick piece of feedback with lower emotional risk and blah, blah, blah. All that that I said on the upfront. This is, but when you know you're going to have a conversation that is going to be harder for you or for them. Or both, then prepare properly for that. Today's show is brought to you by Vetex International. Now, are people the major pain point in your practice? If so, you're not alone. Over 90% of managers report staff problems to be their number one issue. At the root of this problem are usually three dysfunctions. A poorly articulated vision, toxic culture, or some form of leadership breakdown. If this sounds familiar, then do not despair. Help is at hand. I encourage you to check out Leaders, a veterinary-specific leadership training program where you will learn how to create and execute on a shared vision, how to hire well, and build a powerful, high-performance practice culture without all the drama. The class is accredited, delivered online, and open for applications now. To learn more, listen to a free training webinar or apply, visit vetexinternational.com forward slash leaders. Okay, welcome back to the show. I hope you enjoyed part one. Let's get into some more meaty content to help you grow your practice in part two.
Okay, so we're not switching gears completely because everything from the first half is applicable to the second half. But I did want to, at the start, I presented a situation where it's the entire practice. So we're not talking about one new or veteran employee. We're not talking about the doctor who yells at everyone and everyone has to kind of run around this because we can't, this is just a one person problem. If it's just everywhere where every, nobody is really doing a good job at giving a good constructive feedback. Nobody is doing a good job of noticing when people do the right thing. The baseline at this hospital is we all do our job well and we don't get complimented on it. and We don't get feedback on it because we're expected to be good at everything. And then if you don't do something good, that's where people's irritation comes. So it's sort of assumption that if you're doing something wrong or you've done something wrong, you were careless, lazy, or we're at odds and you don't share the same values as I do. So you got a whole practice there. I want you to imagine you're the practice owner or you're the practice manager or what you're the vet tech lead, you're the CSR lead. You see this is like this across the practice. What do you do to start beyond just like I'm going to start modeling? Is there anything systemically you could imagine in a situation where the feedback is kind of jacked up? Well, that was a challenging question because <laughs> my answer is probably different for many of those. Imagine your which position. Okay. Right. But, so if we have to imagine, I would start with the practice manager, like the middle manager okay. stuck in the middle. Stuck in the middle. Yeah. Uh, middle managers are heroes. So let's just say that out loud. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> and really have a lot of practice managing up and managing down and managing across because they have to do that. I would go immediately to modeling, right? So I would practice giving the positive feedback because no harm in that, like build your muscle, be a good example, see what difference it makes. If any, I would go to the practice owner and really talk about this as an issue that I'm seeing and think about hopefully together, think together about what goals that we have about this. And when I delivered that feedback, I would use the feedback model, right? So here's what I'm noticing. Okay. I'm noticing that it feels like we're really stuck in a negative rut where feedback doesn't get delivered at all, or it gets delivered in a difficult way, or positive feedback isn't part of our norm or whatever, or all of those things. Here's what I'm noticing about feedback in the practice. Here's how I think it's affecting the team, the care we offer, your life, my life, I would do that that we talked about before. So what's the practice owner's goal and how could I align whatever it is to their goal? And so if they want blah, 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 then how could improving the way that we manage feedback in the practice help forward their goal and talk about how we might do that? One thing I don't think I've said very much of um, so far in this conversation is that feedback conversations really should, if they're done well, be conversations. And so there should be give and take. Like if you're going into a feedback conversation, it shouldn't just be you talking. And if it is, then you're not learning what you need to learn in the conversation. There's always another piece of information that you don't have. And so how to come at any conversation like this with curiosity what do you not know? And I mean, the more you know, the less you have to learn, right? And so, but we know there's something to learn here because you're not getting the result you want. <laughs> so how are you going to learn more in that conversation? 
Okay, I'm glad you mentioned that because I was going to ask when you were saying all the things in which you could go to the practice owner and talk about feedback about, it sounded like a presentation. It sounded like, can I have half an hour of your time? I have a three-page thing and we're going to go through all my points. And I love the fact that you said, and remember, it's a conversation because I think the tendency, I build a good piece of feedback and a lot of people are not good at asking questions. They're good at deploying information. So I know something you don't know. And so when you ask me questions, I love it because then I get to tell you things I know and you didn't know them and I feel good and you feel good. This thing where I'm supposed to ask, I don't know what your problem is. I'm supposed to ask you about your problem and then, but I might not have the solution. I imagine that's uncomfortable for some personalities. So that's the possibility that could be uncomfortable. Maybe the practice manager feels they know the three things that are the problem. I know what the problem is. It's these people talk to those people this way and the boss doesn't give the feedback to these people and they're angry about it. I already know what the three problems is. I want to go in and give the three problem presentation. Are there questions to force your, would you imagine, would you give somebody a question you they should force themselves? If you're going to go have a feedback conversation and you're not totally sure you know all the parts of the story, is there one good question or is there some way they should think about whatever, leaving pauses, asking the right question? So I'm going to just assert that you don't know all the things, even if you think you do. How dare you? <laughs> Every time I think I know all the things or something, I don't know. My other assertion is everyone is always right. So I don't know, we're drifting sort of into conflict and away from feedback because of the nature of the difficulty of our horror story of the practice. And then I said, let's stay in a place of curiosity. What do you not know? Asking more questions you added on. Ask more questions is my number one piece of advice to everyone in every situation. Okay. Ask more <laughs> questions. So my, and I, I mean, I've probably said this before. So ask more questions, ask open-ended questions, ask what and how questions, because those are by their nature open-ended. And so let me try and come back to that. It shouldn't be a presentation. So if you're going to the practice owner and you're concerned about the way that feedback is getting managed in the practice, yes. you are not presenting the problem and the solution. Although you might have problems in mind and you might have solutions in mind, yep. right? And we hope that you did all that prep. So you know what the practice owner's goals are and you know what the most important things are and you know and you know. Then I would go in at a, at a time when I'm calm, when I think they'll be calm, when we have time to talk about this, when I feel like I'm all the stacking the deck in my favor, not when they're worried about the emergency that, I mean, right? Yes. And then, yes, ask questions. So I've been really thinking about whether or not we have a good practice around delivering feedback. And I think that if we did, it would improve all these things that you care about, blah, 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 blah. What do you think about that? <laughs> Does that seem like something that's interesting to think about? How might we do that differently? What do you think about blah, 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 blah. Because if they don't talk back, then there's not a conversation being had. I mean, and, and even if they said, yes, check, check, check to your problem and your solution, right then they're not really maybe bought in, right? Like that's just something you have permission to do. It's not something you have support to do. I mean, getting everybody's energy aligned is what makes real progress on any problem. And you don't get the energy aligned if you don't spend the time to build a buy-in and agreement and where do we agree and where do we disagree, blah, blah, blah. All of this stuff takes time. And you don't have all the time for all the things that you probably have to prioritize. Is this the top problem? What's the problem that we would solve that would fix 
than most of the other problems that follow. The practice that you described to me, I'm not sure that not enough feedback is the biggest lever, right? Like, Probably not. <laughs> and so then is that what the practice manager would take? I don't know, right? Because, I mean, it is happening in our horror situation, but there could be lack of alignment around values, to your point. There could be lack of trust. There could be lack of clarity around our priorities. There could be lots of other things that are either cultural or systemic that would lead to this problem that you're describing besides we're not delivering good feedback. I did think about when you were talking about initially earlier in this conversation, they're needing to be, I mean, I mentioned vulnerability. Well, the only reason you're vulnerable is either you're very confident yourself and you don't care. You know, this person doesn't really like you, but you don't care whether they deploy that vulnerability against you. I don't care one way or the other. I'm still going to be vulnerable because that's a value, whatever, whatever. In most cases, we're not going to be vulnerable to people we don't trust. We're not comfortable with. We just, we don't want to do it. So you're right. There are bigger issues. If there are relationships that have already been damaged, giving correct feedback to try to get processes fixed or to try to get people to be more efficient is probably that ship is, we will sail that ship someday but we have a ship in the harbor that people aren't getting along. There's our bottom problem. I can't think how you could get lower. Well, that's not true. There are places that operate with people don't like each other and they don't respect each other. And yet work still gets done every day. But people typically, if they're healthy, will eventually quit those situations and move on because that's a terrible situation to be in. Yeah, it's not a good situation to be in. So here's how you get permission to give terrible feedback that lands, <laughs> right? Okay. Like, so. If the person trusts you, if the person believes that you have their best interest at heart, I said this at the beginning, you can say almost any terrible thing and they will consider it. So listening to everything that the person has to say gives you permission to speak. <laughs> <laughs> if they believe you've heard, then you have permission to add your meaning to the conversation. And I've had, I mean, I've had people deliver really tough feedback to me that, I mean, did it cause me to rock back and rethink? Yes. Is it painful when that happens? Sure. Is it upsetting? Yes. But am I mad? Not mad. Right. And then I've had people deliver feedback to me that was not nearly as personal or important or like, I mean, and I've been mad. Right. Yeah. And that's about all those things, right? Like, and almost everyone has that experience of somebody who can deliver feedback in a way that you're like, okay, that really, I know you mean it in the right way. The other experience I didn't have until really quite late in life. Again, I'm like, wow, things I wish I knew at 20 <laughs> that I didn't know until much later is on the receiving end of feedback. There are plenty of cases now where Somebody gives me, I used to take all the feedback really personally, like, sure. and think I needed to do something about it, right? Like if you gave the feedback, then I was somehow obligated to do something. And that's in fact, not really the case, right? Like I have all kinds of choice and the person could be wrong, but particularly when receiving feedback from somebody in a position of power and I'm at, like, I struggled to get my part of the meeting in the pool in that case. And they might be wrong and they might be right. And it was, I mean, I had roughness around this and the, where I crossed the bridge and it was no longer personal is such a liberating thing. <laughs> that is fascinating because I, I do wonder about that. So there's a lot of talk right now. We both hear it in the veterinary profession. It's been around years now, burnout where people are, they will either 
hate their job and then quit that job and move on or quit a job. I just saw somebody posting about this, talking about being in a job for five years. And it was so bad that they're like, I need to have this recovery period of three months and then I'll go look for another job. So that's how bad that experience was for them or new people or old people too, who are, as you say, taking things personally, basically they operate in a world where when people tell them things that are bad that could relate to them, they do. They take it personally. They take all the boss's feedback seriously. And they take all the subordinates' feedback seriously. These are problems with me as a manager. These are problems with me as a subordinate. These are all problems with me. I need to fix that as opposed to whatever that sense of distance is. So whatever it's, however people manifest that, mindfulness, meditation, getting older and having been through these conversations many times and seeing... I remember 10 years ago, somebody gave me this feedback and I went and switched it and didn't solve a thing. And I realized that was never the problem. I should have never run off on that little trail. Is there anything? So if you have that chance being older and having, oh, I've been through all this stuff and now you have this wisdom, is there any way for a young pup vet tech, a young pup DVM associate, a young pup receptionist, is it really possible for not to be young and not take those things seriously? Maybe it's just not, maybe That's you're just in that zone question. where you want the affirmation and you feel like when people give you feedback, it's actionable. All feedback is actionable if it's given to me in the right way by the right person. Well, you just made a big jump there between all feedback is actionable to true <laughs> feedback from thoughtful person that's given effectively is actionable, right? There's, what about those good are two feedback, very separate things. Good feedback that's given but maybe the feedback, that person is in their right mind. That person is very good at giving feedback. But that person may not be right about what they want you to change or how they want you to change it. And so to be able to reflect back and like, maybe I won't immediately jump on that or I'll jump on it. And in the back of my mind, I'll think, I'm not sure this is the right thing. But they asked me to do this. How do you create that distance between someone tells you to change something and you're like, maybe not. Well, uh, I'm all over the place on this because there's, I mean, there's also like, I might change the way you see that. That might not be the change that exactly you asked me for. And yet that might fix everything, right? Like sometimes it's a question of optics. I'm thinking of an example with a coaching client. And I have actually, when I start to say that sentence, a whole bunch of examples like this, where they might get feedback, say that something like, you need to listen more. Okay. You're not curious enough. You jump too fast to the solution. And that's not, you need to go be a different person. And that's not, you don't, and that, I mean, that you're not enough in this area or that you're, I mean, there's not a flaw about the person here. This is a situation where you need to say out loud more of what's happening in your head before you get to the point you make next. Well, that's really optics right? Like share a little more of the thinking that got you from here to there. And if you do, then the person with you will see how you got from here to there. And that is about them and the things that they said, instead of feeling like it came from left field because you did all that processing in the quiet. Yeah. I mean, I got feedback, but the path that I took the feedback is those are, I'm going to go change my personality to be more whatever because I'm not <laughs> enough something. And, oh, let me articulate more of the thinking that got me here. Does that make a difference in how you perceive it? Often that second thing is true. And as a young person, I more often was thinking the first thing. Right? Like, I need to change something about myself. But I see exactly as you're, whatever, whether you call it vulnerability or often, 
I'm still authentically doing the thing I did before you gave me the feedback, but I'm communicating with, you may not have asked me specifically for this, but you indicated something to me that I'm not communicating enough to you. You need more communication for me. Even though it sounded like you were telling me not to do this, you were telling me to put the surgical instruments on the right instead of the left side of the tray. But next Mm -hmm. time when I explain in just five seconds, like, oh, I put it on the left on those three trays because blah. They won't even process. Oh, yeah, perfect. Fine. Great decision. Even though in their right. head, they're Maybe like, that's okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or, I mean, this is, is it a two-way conversation? The other doctor prefers it to be on the left, and I don't know which one of you is going to pick up the pot, <laughs> right? Like, could we have a different conversation about where you guys get in alignment so that I can do, because I want to do the right thing for both of you, right? Yes. And I, in, I mean, as a young person, I would have walked away and been like, not said any of that and tried hopelessly to try and get both doctors happy. Right. Like, and as an old wise person, uh, thanks very much. I'm like, (laughs) Hey, you guys need to get aligned and I want to help you in every way I can. Please help me do that. Right. And those are, that's just such a different, I mean, it's me taking it personally and me not taking it personally. I can see how it looks like that's what's happening. Let me change the way it looks. So thinking about positive feedback to help people get to success and help them make sure our values are in alignment. It's clear our values are in alignment because I'm telling you what I value and then you do it. And we, I value that and you value, well, it's everybody's aligned. When feedback does not work, I don't want to get into a firing or a disciplinary thing, but is there a first hurdle when you try feedback in all the right way and it doesn't take so I've, I've mm-hmm. experienced where I sat down and I felt like I get, I felt like I gave effective feedback and we had a good conversation and then mm-hmm. it, it didn't happen. So for you, what's the next, when the feedback didn't work for you, what's that next thing? Yep. I love that. So obviously that can happen. You did all the right things. You had a back and forth conversation. You delivered in every way. You think we're all clear and then whatever it is happens again. Yeah. What I would do in that case is change the conversation to from feedback about the incident to feedback about the pattern. So I feel like we've had this conversation before. I think that we agreed to whatever. Please help me understand what's getting in the way. Did we, I mean, again, curiosity, like. And calm. Maybe we miscommunicated it. Calm, (laughs) calm, (laughs) curious, choose your time, all the things. But maybe we didn't actually agree. Maybe we miscommunicated maybe who knows what, right? This is where, what might they say that would change the way I'm seeing that? Because my first response would be, what the heck, why did you not do the thing we agreed to? Of course. And that could be true, right? But it could also not be true. Like, so I would go back in and say, did we agree? This is what I thought we agreed to. Please help me understand. And then if that, I mean, if the pattern continues, the conversation continues to be about the pattern, right? And but the feedback is about the pattern instead of about the incident. So the fact that you're not following through on your commitments is damaging to our, so we agreed that you would X, Y, Z. This is the third time that you have not. This is what I noticed. The fact that you're not following through on this commitment is damaging to my trust and it's continuing to hurt the team in these ways. And it's causing what is the effect of the behavior that I don't appreciate. And then what am I, what behavior do I want to see in the future about this pattern? So And then, yeah, you would get increasingly like, let's fix this pattern. And it's interesting. I feel like at at the beginning years ago, when I was first dipping my toe into thinking about business management, 
it felt like it was always about a superior telling a subordinate about a pattern of behavior that's not working. And now way more I'm seeing as frustrated veterinary technicians and frustrated DVM associates get frustrated with the top brass about whatever. You told me we we're going to get this thing. You told me you were going to talk to this person. You told me I was going to get this raise. You told me I was going to have this time off. And then the, it's not about this time off. It's not about us not changing the phone system. It's not about you not hiring the vet tech. It's about the fact that you said that was going to happen and it didn't happen. And now this is becoming a pattern of you promising three times to me you were going to hire somebody. You promising three times to me we're going to revisit production rates right. and then changing it. But th maybe this is my last question because that is okay. fraught. There is a power differential where you are the person below the person above and they are not honoring their commitments to you. And instead of it just being about a thing, like I want the phone system, I want this, there's one thing we're fighting about. Now it's about, uh-oh, this person tells me things and then doesn't follow through. And now I have to go to another adult and have a calm, curious conversation about the fact that they're three times, they've kind of, now they're, are you lying to me about this? What's going on? It's worse. Now you really feel like it's personal. You're lying to me. Mm -hmm. This pattern shows that you're not, yeah. Yeah. Well, and all of that is fraught. It is fraught. Right. And then you just have to decide, is it worth it? Right. I mean, I would still go back in and have the conversation. I would choose my time carefully. This is my boss. I would <laughs> do lots of things, right? Like to try and make it safe for them to tell me, I mean, just like as if I were talking to a subordinate, right? I want, I, I equally want my boss to feel safe. If he or she doesn't, then they won't tell me what the real thing is. Like, Maybe they had the rug pulled out from under them. Maybe they're embarrassed because we didn't make the amount we were supposed to in the last quarter. Maybe, I mean, who knows what it could, there are reasonable yes. things, right? This could happen to a reasonable person. And if I don't make the right space, they won't tell me what's really going on. And then there is a point at which you have to decide is the grass greener somewhere else or is all the other stuff that's going on here that's going well worth it to put up with these things not coming through and that's just a you know a, a balance that you have to check all the time i think you are right about this kind of snakes about the storytelling so if you've bounced around in those hearing conflicting stories that are both true this is not fair you didn't do this the situation changed we couldn't do this both those stories are 100 percent true mm -hmm. now and people are mad about those two conflicting, they're in conflict and they can't be easily resolved. You start, maybe that is only time, but yeah, I don't, for me, the feedback thing about not assuming, just as you said, curiosity, one way to get to curiosity is just to ask questions. Another way is to just, I can't assume anything. I don't know why they right. decided to do this. So until I talk to them, just as you said, presented a safe environment for them to have the opportunity to tell me what happened. And then, then I just can't assume that one way or the other. Yeah, we're storytelling creatures and we'll take the smallest piece of information and in seconds write a story about it that has all kinds of bias built in and our perspective and I mean all those things and then that's happening to everyone around us and sorting out the stories is half the battle of living life I think. Half the communication challenge it's a huge thing right to be able to figure out what story is being told and why. And you can rewrite your story you, I mean, you make the story, you can choose to believe the story in lots of different ways. I mean, a different story. <laughs> right. And then there are still times when you're like, okay, this really isn't 
this isn't working for me for whatever reason, or this does work for me because all these other things are great and I can, I can accept that I didn't get this raise this year or whatever it happens to be. And I've been on both sides of that equation. This is normally the spot where we wrap up, but not quite yet. After Marnette and I finished recording, I came up with one more question I had to ask her. What about you? What's the best feedback you've ever gotten? This is what she told me, and it's something that might inspire you to try something similar. So the example that came to mind is still a businessy example. It's a leadership example. We had a boss who every year around the holidays would write every single person in the organization a card that was about the contribution that they made that year. I remember those. (laughs) And that's a lot of cards to write. And all positive feedback and all followed the rules that I gave in the formula, right? So what did I notice? Why is that important? Why do I appreciate it? And I appreciate it. It is an example of somebody really working to say to you, I saw you. I saw you do the important work that only you can do for this organization. And I appreciate it. And people saved those cards. I still have mine. And so that's an example of somebody really finding a way to say that to as many people in one organization at once as they possibly could. It was a real investment. Want to get in touch with Marnette? Visit sunroadcoach.com. And that wraps up today's episode of the Veterinary Business Success Show. Did you love it? Leave a review on iTunes. Tell your friends in VetMed about us. Learn more at vetxinternational.com. And until next time, just want you to know, I appreciate you.